1: Yeah. Oh, you are there. Okay. Yeah. Oh holy like oxygen and carbon dioxide, man. man. You were stretching with Gretchen, huh? Oh, oh wait, I'm no. here. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 Welcome back, everybody. You are now tuned in to High at Nine News. Thanks for joining. Not only to get High at Nine with us, but also High Noon on the East Coast. I'm to meet the dopest dad on the street. And it is. What is today? April 11th?
0: Yes, Tuesday, April 11th.
1: Tuesday, April 11th. It's actually uh, it is look. also it's also A- National Barbers- Barbershop Quartet Day, and uh, thank God, barbershop quartets do not exist anymore. Four creepy men singing to you while you are getting your haircut. I'm not, not with it. National 8-track tape day. Okay, boomers. National Living Donor Day, if you got extras, socialize them organs. National Submarine Day, because it's way cooler to bomb enemies underwater. And National Pet Day, because humans are overrated. And finally, National Cheese Fondue Day. Great for everybody but sufferers of lactose intolerance. Everybody out there watching, please like, share, and hit subscribe button and follow us high, high at Hyatt 9 news across all social media platforms. We're live weekday mornings. You can catch us live and direct at HyattNineNews.com, 9 newscom but also YouTube and Twitch and audio only on Clubhouse. And if you do choose the Clubhouse route, you can participate in the show by raising your hand with a brief comment on the story presented. And um, up first today, y'all know who it is. It's the Green Street bully <laughs> himself. West Hollywood's right-leaning president of cannabis tourism, actively also the industry's longest continuously operating retailer, known to many for smoking on the best weed in the world, Jason Beck. Oh uh, yeah. You no, know,
0: Rico, I've never met a disabled bully before. Just saying. Um, the guy who created a uh, eight chan. Stop it. Also, too today <laughs> I think it should also be National Mary J. Blige Day because today is.
1: 411 what's the 411 yeah man yeah. I, I like that one man the, yeah. Your r&b roots i didn't know you were an mjb fan dude. Yeah. i'm not <laughs> not at all
2: <laughs>
1: i smell a new uh, celebrity weed brand coming up are you, right? um, you, you like do you like watch uh, um um uh outdated you watched old donald trump rallies with mary j blige playing gently in the background they're so I can find you doing on the weekend
0: <laughs> Donald J. Trump rallies are probably the best because there's the most high
1: energy people in the crowd. I can dig it. I can yes. Dig it. What you got for us today? Buddy? Oh yeah. But you know
0: what? I got a pretty interesting story for you guys today coming out of Alabama where, you know, th- this does not surprise me at all, but here we go. Three lawsuits allege Alabama medical cannabis license portal is flawed. Three marijuana companies allege in separate lawsuits that the Alabama Medical Cannabis Commission's online license application portal is faulty. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. A Monterey County Circuit Court judge last week ordered the MMJ Regulatory Agency to now consider applications from MedShop Dispensary and Terra True, according to the Alabama Daily News, a different circuit judge decided that the Medical Cannabis Commission does not have to consider the application in the case of the third company, Red Bud Remedies. I wonder if they're financed by Red Bull and they say all three lawsuits filed in March allege that the respective companies were not warned that the portal would not accept documentation with file sizes larger than 10 megabytes the daily news reported according to the news according to the newspaper MedShop alleged the commission gave some companies a workaround solution to submit their applications and theratru said it was forced to submit documents of lesser quality than those it intended to originally submit the University of South Alabama was selected in December to evaluate the high number of MMJ business applications submitted to regulators since the launch. Uh, since the launch period opened back in September, now I have to ask all of you, y'all, what do you guys think about this? Did the state of Alabama artificially uh, make it so that people couldn't submit? as good of applications and then the, their favorites got a special web access to be able to submit larger applications that are much more thorough and detailed as opposed to their counterparts
2: I um, didn't know that Alabama was this sophisticated like I would imagine that <laughs> I, would, I would imagine I would imagine that they um, you know, of course, we're giving the, the licenses to all the all of their buddies and friends down there. But to actually like rig the application system digitally so that only some people can upload the right documents and the other people can't—that's a little sophisticated. Finagling there, Alabama. I'm surprised. I mean that sounds you know.
1: regionless This sounds regionless right there. Just because just because we talk slow in the South, don't mean we dumb now.
2: No.
1: We I, first of all, I grew up in Alabama. Oh,
2: Alabama and, and and the people there are not that sharp. They're not the sharpest tools in the box.
1: That's what they want. That's what they
0: want you to think, City Slicker. They're not the sharpest toes in the shed.
2: i mean when listen i know i know farmers and people that own land in alabama and when they introduced the hemp licensing program down there it was a shit show like they they were going to the agricultural department and asking them to come and assess the land and none of them knew how to do it so they it was it was pretty interesting watching the rollout of the hemp program down there. So I knew that when they introduced cannabis, it was going to I mean, of course, I'm hoping that they would have learned some things from the hemp program. But I mean, I just knew it was it was going to be very interesting to watch and see how they kind of rolled all that out.
1: But <clears throat> so is, this
3: is with anyone you, really surprised? Yes.
0: Hold on. I, I I mean, I don't know if I'm necessarily that surprised because I and, and I do know that, like with other applications that I've had to submit, you are allowed to to have a certain megabyte size within each individual file that you upload. But as far as the whole overall package, I mean, oh, man, I I think that this is super, super, super crazy. But at the same time, I'm not surprised. And I wonder if these other companies did get a little reach around and got like a little extra portal link where they had a little
3: bit higher bandwidth. Oh yeah.
0: A more thorough application.
3: Alabama government giving out ZJs. (laughs) I see
1: see what you I see what you're doing there, Jason. (laughs) See that? You see that? (laughs) It's all about the reach around these days, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean, what do you think about this, Gretchen? You push a lot of paper. Nothing for Gretchen. Gretchen. Gretchen.
4: Suck it. I don't understand why this is breaking news. I, I mean, it's a shocker that a system's not working down in Alabama. Uh, although, Nicole Buffon, it's not a third world country. It is one of our uh, 50 states. And <laughs> and they should be able area. to have a, uh,
1: so a wonder, program wonder, that works. I wonder if, if this, this licensing portal was, uh, was, was built by Dominion.
3: I'm, gonna,
4: I'm My gonna money is Nicole on that it's second. left over from good old Obamacare. I'm getting, are You sure that, about that? I mean, was.
2: Alabama and Florida are pretty close <laughs> to each other. They, they can gonna... easily just segregate and leave Florida the country to the United States.
0: What do you yeah, think? I, would, I wouldn't. You think it was part of Obamacare, the portal?
4: That's what my money's on. <laughs> and I'm usually right, even though you don't pay out, Jason Beck.
3: I've always paid out, girl. Gretchen, mm-hmm. Gretchen, you should look at Mississippi. I think Mississippi is close to a third world country in America. Without no, running Mississippi water is without, just without actual Louisiana,
2: Louisiana, Louisiana, man. Louisiana's pretty bad. Like, well, that's only because and, of BP. They are trying to pass legislation in Louisiana to allow them to still lock up kids for cannabis.
1: Louisiana, Louisiana, yeah. Louisiana.
0: bring the kids in it and ruin all the fun. <laughs>
3: Well, I mean, they still had medical before Alabama and Mississippi. So, you know,
1: so they're saying the game was rigged in
0: Alabama. That's what they're, that's what they're alleging. They're alleging that they, they they gave out. They gave the companies that were awarded licenses a little a little backdoor link so they could submit larger scale applications. But I'm, I guess I guess this is going to be an ongoing story that's going to continue and continue and continue. Part of the course. Oh, uh, yeah. Just goes to show you local governments picking winners and losers. But yeah, we're going to go to the commercial. We're going to be right back.
3: How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck, smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out.
0: Oh yeah, coming up next. That's right, we have the dope dad himself. That's right, Rico LaMitte, who just moved in to his new home where he doesn't have to fight the internet gangbangers anymore and he might actually have some more fiber in his diet. What do you have to say, dope dad Rico LaMitte?
1: Uh, so my story is one coming out of coming out of Washington State, and it's all about pesticides. All right. So on Thursday, last Thursday, April 6th, Washington State Liquor and Cannabis Board sent out an alert notifying a number of cannabis licensees of a pattern of pesticide testing failures in Okanagan County. The WSLCB D- uh, detected 18 instances of products containing dichlorodehanil, dichlorothylene, or more commonly known as DDE, through random pesticide testing. Many exceeding actions which led to the agency taking immediate action by placing administrative lead uh, holds on licensees in the affected geographic area. Requesting a list of all products distributed since August 2022, securing and testing on-shelf products from all 18 licensees, and requiring they conduct a licensee-initiated recall on everything on their shelves. DDE is a derivative chemical that forms following the breakdown of the infamous DDT, widely used in the U.S. as a pesticide until it was banned in 1972. The CDC says microorganisms in the soil slowly break down DDT in a process taking anywhere between 4 to 30 years. Risk of, uh, for exposure is low and most occur from eating contaminated foods. People that, is, that swallow large amounts report nausea, uh, seizures, and no effects were noticed when people took a small dose over the course of 18 months. But people with higher levels of the chemical in their blood have an increased risk of liver cancer. harris Bricken reported that there seems to be ample evidence of DDT being widely used in Washington. Um, particularly in orchards and vineyards on the eastern slope of the Cascades. According to a 2008 research paper investigating DDT and DDE levels in Lake Chelan, uh, Washington DDT was commonly used at Washington Orchards uh, between 1946 and 1970 with high application rates uh, being documented for eastern Washington Orchards in the vicinity of Lake Chelan. For reference, Omak, the largest city in Okanagan County, is around 60 miles from that area. The DDE exposure occurred because producers in Okanagan County are dealing with uh, the re emergence of pre existing latent DDT on their properties. They stated in its alert the cannabis crop possesses a unique vulnerability with respect to environmental contamination. The plants can absorb contaminants such as pesticides and heavy metals to a much higher degree than many other plants. And per the article, Washington state enacted a pesticide and heavy metals testing regime for cannabis in March, 2022 listing 59 allowable pesticide compounds and their acceptable thresholds that cannabis products must be screened for before being sold. DDT and its derivative DDE are not contained on the list of compounds that are screened for. However, the state conducts random testing of cannabis products and has done so for years and this is how they found it. Putting subjects, through a considerably more comprehensive process than the mandatory testing required by the industry. harris Bricken says 18 licenses within the affected area will have a tough time surviving the administrative action being taken by the state, given the historically widespread use of DDT in the region that at least some of the soil samples in the uh, WSLCB plan will take uh, to take will come back contaminated. The result will be administrative holds on all 18 licensees, and whatever comes next is up in the air. While the recall is good to the, the, to the point less folks are likely to get sick as a result, the problem here seems to be the pesticide screening protocols seen as standard currently in Washington's industry. With the WSLCB conducting their own more stringent, stringent methods, they detected more than what the industry is capable of currently. It's an interesting and unfortunate event for all involved, but I've got questions maybe some of y'all can help me out with here. Uh, While 18 licensees stand to lose their ability uh, to operate in any capacity moving forward, how many will suffer the same fate in the future? Um, Is this just a Washington state problem, or is this something that can and will happen elsewhere? And finally, is it government overreach? With the state coming down and putting their testing limits on these cannabis companies, uh, do the licensees have the right to appeal here? So uh, political corruption uh, can come in all forms, but this is public health and safety. There's is Rico meat, dopest dad on the street. And I'd love to hear from the rest of you guys. What do you think about this one?
3: Man, <clears throat> um, DVE is and ddt have long been used in california actually uh, some some california history here they dumped a lot of the dde and ddt into the ocean actually off the coast of like el segundo and it's been sitting at the bottom of the ocean just like in these barrels that have puncture holes in them so it's just been seeping out into the ocean dde is fat soluble so the problem is when it gets into someone's body it's hard to excrete it from your body because of all the fat we have, right? So just mm-hmm. as, as what we eat, um, we eat it's well, it doesn't. It's not like that easy, right? out- and it gets you sick too, Jason. So it's like you're not going to be actually healthy enough to like feel like you're going to go to the gym to like get yourself better. Can but you this is out
0: though. Can you sweat it out?
3: Um, well, it's fat soluble, so you have to ex- excrete it in the same manner as like you know you would THC. So it stays stored in your fat cells for like. However, however much time, and so it's like the toxicity limit. Um, I was reading like while while uh, Rico was talking, I was reading the toxicity limit in rats is like eighty milligrams per kilogram. So it's not a lot to like really make you uh, sick or even toxic and and die. Um, so you know, but this is like long standing, right? This has been happening since the thirties, um, and. we're seeing like how long it takes to actually remove these kind of contaminants or these um, products from just the supply chain. And, you know, it's been almost a hundred years and we're still seeing this stuff kind of popping up. So imagine, you know, if we were continuing to use those like well into like the mid 1900s, how, how long would it take? But honestly, it's, it's, the problem is the municipalities or the States, you know, that were like basically letting that the ag, um workers or the 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 um, the farms kind of do whatever we had the same problem here in Central Coast they were allowing these guys to dump whatever you know whatever kind of fertilizers into the ground and it's contaminated the soil now so now Central Coast of California has a lot of con- uh, cadmium buildup in the soil and that's mobile in the cannabis plant so that's actually being absorbed so a lot of these guys that are growing weed on these um, certain certain areas they, they their product is it's Contaminated to the point where they can't potentially sell the flower. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on. It's like a big ball we, of wax to on, on kind of wind. Yeah, you
0: know, we we have Dr. Felicia to 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 shed some light on this too. Dr. Felicia, what do you have to share on this?
5: Hey, everybody. Um, we have to remember that cannabis and hemp are bioaccumulators. Um, they suck in toxins from the air, water, and soil. So growers really would be um advised to to test the soil before you even plant to make sure it doesn't have these kind of uh issues as as well as heavy metals and some people even recommend that people not even try to plant cannabis in and around major cities because of all the uh, fuel emissions and heavy metal um, uh, contamination the other thing about small doses just like the entourage effect where you have a lot of uh, cannabinoids adding up to create a much bigger effect than what they would produce on their own. The same thing happens with toxins. You might have a little bit of this toxin and it not be harmful, but when you put a a little bit of a lot of toxins, like our our country right now, where we're allowing industry to pollute the water and the air and our food on a daily basis, that adds up. Um, There was a study that came out in 2021 uh, looking at women who were exposed to the highest levels of DDT back in the 50s and the 60s. And the, the women who were exposed to, who had the highest levels in their flesh uh, had increased risk of breast cancer. But their daughters have a higher rate of obesity and their granddaughters have a higher rate of obesity as well as early menses, which is how old a woman is when she first gets her period. The earlier you get your period, you increase your risk for breast cancer. Uh, the age of your first period used to be 12. It's dropping down to eight years old now. So this is a, this is a very important issue. Uh, my heart goes out to those people who product has been held up now, but anyone dealing with cannabis because of its nature to bioaccumulate, you really should test your soil before you even put anything in the ground. I'm done speaking.
3: Thanks, Dr. Felicia.
0: That was amazing. Yeah, well, I think, Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Gretchen.
4: Well, I was just gonna say what I think is also, I don't wanna say a bigger issue here, uh, but something we have not mentioned yet is that they found this problem because they did some extra testing. um, And this was not picked up through regular state testing. That needs to be a concern to cannabis consumers that they're not coming across this or they're not looking for the right things or not doing harsh enough levels, really looking at the risks that are going to consumers. I mean, this is something we need to care about. Yeah, yeah just, what happens true, is, is the,
6: the state releases a list of approved pesticides that cultivators are allowed to use at certain levels, but all pesticides are not on that list, right? right. So uh, some of the nefarious cultivators will just go around the list and figure out what is not being tested, <clears throat> excuse me, what is not being tested for and use that. You know, here in uh, Nevada, it recently happened with a pesticide called Ethaphon. And a company was using this Ethafon and a disgruntled employee ended up calling the CCB and say, hey, these guys are using this thing. And literally thousands of products were recalled uh, from hundreds of SKUs. They were in every dispensary across the state. And uh, there was a huge recall because of this uh, Ethafon. But basically what it is, is, uh, you know, folks that are Looking to use pesticides that are unapproved for usage on cannabis, and that's what causes all the issues.
0: Well, Todd, Todd, quick question, quick question on that, Todd. If they weren't, if the state wasn't testing for it and they weren't had any regulation against that chemical, how were they able to pull all those products off the shelf? Well,
6: what happened was the uh, the employee went to the CCB and said, "Hey, uh, my cultivation is using this unapproved pesticide," so they. Did a, they went to a dispensary? They took some uh, product, they ran it through their own testing and found this uh, Ethafon on there, um, and uh, then you know created this recall. But it, you're right, you know how how are the, most labs, all labs, are not even testing for it because it's not a prerequisite, right? So um, that's what some guys are doing. They're they're just finding something that's not on the list and using it instead. You know, as a testing lab, you know we have to report all you know unapproved pesticides which we do but you know sometimes they show up and sometimes they don't you know when you're focusing on 23 specific pesticides uh you know that's what you're looking for that's what the machine is looking for that's what the analyst is looking for and um you know very often an unapproved uh pesticide is overlooked
3: yeah absolutely and i mean that's that's exactly right you're looking only through a certain lens when you're doing this type of assay you have 30 23 there 30 here 34 here in california like you have to train your machine to look for these types of things and if you have to look for more i mean the robustness of the equipment the sensitivity of the equipment the cost of all that todd i know you can attest to that but it's a two it's like a steep slope right and gretchen you're right it's like why, are, why aren't they looking at that stuff but then it's like they're putting more regulation on the industry then you have all this upheaval on both sides who wins in that it's of course public health and safety comes first with all the with all the product in my opinion but i mean the operators are honestly like that's that's the issue is the operators have um, the burden of creating a business out of this and like it's you know there's a there's a lot of people that are going to you know well,
0: come on. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Uh, Jody die in our in our clubhouse chat says that a local farmer in Ohio had to burn down a whole crop because they found cadmium in there. cadmium. Yeah, Cadmium, yeah. yeah,
3: that's and that's a heavy metal. So that's different than a pesticide. But I mean, it's the same thing. It's all it's all about what's happening to the earth. Right. When you're when you're producing anything on that, whether you're making, you know, whether you're growing broccoli or you're growing Brussels sprouts or whatever it's uh it's all about how you're treating that process and i mean you know we use like some farmers are using salt-based feed here uh for cannabis some are organic i mean there's a lot of different methods and modes of doing the thing but it's ultimately like the earth is here and we have to keep using and revitalizing so regenerative farming methods and i know we have a lot of um our own our own hosts again yeah well that's but that's the whole point right so ultimately there's a conclusion here which is like there's a regenerative safe way to do things that should be probably you know the standard but when you're trying to make a business you can't tell people in in this country at least you can't tell people how to run their business you have to oh, let them shit. do it. what are you well, talking
4: about that's what, what this whole think? country is based about? on is telling people how to run <laughs> their right. shit
3: there's regulations well, not, everywhere not agriculture not ag
4: well, there should be, and frankly, if this—if mm-hmm. they've determined that these levels are unsafe in other products and other crops, I don't know why they're leaving it off the list for cannabis. And I'm sorry if you think that's over-regulating the industry. I, I'm not. But look, when people I'm, start I'm dying, I'm that's neutral. not going to be helpful to the yeah. industry either. But
3: but I mean, but the point is, it's they were reg- they were regulating this long ago, and they were allowing this stuff, but they didn't know, and so that's the point—is they don't All know right, this well, shit. We don't know. What we don't know. Well. We'll find out more later too, but that's the kind of the thing is we think we know everything and we are kind of fast to act when we don't do the actual research. So this is just kind of our, our society we, we're dealing with.
1: Here. Yeah,
6: one thing I want to add to this is that you know we're about a uh, hundred thousand samples in in uh, our testing lab here in Vegas. And you know, from a heavy metal standpoint, we have failed probably less than 10 thousand for heavy metals. And from a pesticide standpoint, you know, less than 50, right? In the early days of uh, legalization, we used to find pesticides, but it, it, the, the result of that is destruction of the entire batch, right? Yeah. Usually the entire crop. Um, so most growers, you know, aren't using unapproved pesticides and most cannabis samples, you know, do not have heavy metals in them. I, I even think that the heavy metal test, It's a little overkill because, you know, less than 10 with 100,000 samples in is literally zero right on the chart. Um, But uh, just keep in mind that most cannabis is clean. Uh, It is important, though, to get rid of the nefarious players for sure.
5: Mm.
1: Very interesting. indeed. I agree with you. Um, It'll just be interesting going forward because if this happens in other states, we see a major shift, but uh, let's keep it rocking here. Let's keep it moving. And uh, up next, by day she's known for doling out verbal bipartisan smackdowns to pot loving libs across the aisle and conservative cronies alike, before luring them into the kitchen the same evening to work things out diplomatically while being served by unpaid and undocumented pit bulls and aprons. Up next is the founder of Panoptic Strategies and her very own Washington insider, Gretchen Gailey.
4: Well, I know people love it when I do this, so the hell with my story. I'm just going to tell you the headline because that's all Jason ever reads. Uh, Congressional Progressive Caucus urges Biden to expedite marijuana scheduling review and push for federal guidance. Basically, another caucus on the Hill has said, Biden, get your shit together. Will he listen? No. This is Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News.
0: Hold on. So what happened, Gretchen? Say that again. No, <laughs> <The whole> story. <laughs> that's what happened? In a
4: nutshell. <laughs> you're saying that
0: the woke left caucus urging the congressional
4: biden- progressive caucus yeah, is the calling caucus. on biden <laughs> you call it what you will jason mm-hmm. back
5: uh, is
4: go telling broke. them a simmer down is telling them to expedite uh, the rescheduling review process why do um, they
0: want to rush this so much they trying to get something done before uh, biden uh, leaves office
4: uh, maybe they want to get people out of jail Jason. Beck. they're
0: not going to get um, anyone out of jail with any rescheduling
4: I'm that's just, saying, just stupid that's this a pipe is what they're dream. pushing for
0: it's a pipe dream people are ridiculous
4: okay <laughs> you so? i got nothing I got nothing basically this group is a whole other group trying to tell biden to do something he will ignore them he will do what he wants i hope
0: he does ignore them
4: okay you don't
0: wow. want it rescheduled? No, I want no form of rescheduling. The only answer is descheduling. If we have any form of rescheduling, the industry gets hand over to the pharmaceutical industry and every single product on the cannabis marketplace in every single state is an illicit product because none of them have been through an FDA screening process. That's
4: right. More, more of them
0: reason. have the money to be able to do that.
4: Okay. Well, this is not just about rescheduling, Jason Beck. They're just saying speed up the actual review but the whole point that is, he, is that biden a, wants to
0: move it to schedule three and that's going to screw everybody up so encouraging are you, are you, him to hurry up when he's already moving so slow like snail are you
4: pillar partners with uh president biden are you there at night whispering i, I am there yeah i'm actually I'm actually, one, three? I'm actually
0: on the medical board with dr jill okay uh, <laughs>
1: God, Jason.
4: <laughs> I really, frankly, don't think we're going to see any movement whatsoever. I hope from good you don't in either direction. Yep. Uh, but just because they're saying to move forward with the rescheduling process does not mean that they're looking at just rescheduling. This group understand. has called for legalization, they have called for expungement of records, they've called for everything that you want, Jason. Back,
0: they should call uh, no 1-
4: reparations for you, Rico. I'm sorry, that's they not 911.
1: That's who they should be calling. Uh,
4: but this is another 100 members of Congress saying, hey, let's do something about pot. And then no one's going to listen.
1: Reparations will be a 2024 issue.
2: On the, yeah. on um, the, the, the state the of Nevada government. is sending a joint resolution Watch. to Congress recommending that they do schedule cannabis. Um, it's, they want to do it here in the state of Nevada, but they couldn't even do that this session. The um, shout out to uh, uh, Assemblyman Ruben De Silva, who was trying to get that passed um, in the in the assembly and couldn't get it done. So they decided to to create a joint resolution that they're going to send to Congress recommending that they deschedule.
0: Good. That's good. I'm glad someone's at least hearing it and like understanding it and getting it and making some common sense approach, Nicole.
2: I mean, it's a joint resolution. Don't mean shit. You can wipe your ass with it. It's like it doesn't mean anything. Holds no weight at all. My my joint's
0: resolute resolute a lot.
1: (laughs) 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 Sure they do. Sure Uh, they do.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, we're gonna go to a commercial. We're gonna be back. Thank you
1: very much, everybody. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com.
0: Thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown a Hyatt 9 news are those of the individual speakers and not those of high-nine news, its audience or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. If you're an easily offended sh- offended person, this show is probably not for you. And maybe you should send a letter b- to Biden too and ask him to move it along. <laughs> control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated.
1: up next is the founder of Purple Plant Magic herself coming straight out of Las Vegas Nevada huge representative and the West Coast director for M4MM in our very own Encyclopedia because it's not Wednesday it's Tuesday so let's talk about it Nicole Buffon what do you have for us today on this beautiful Tuesday morning
2: oh good morning good morning everyone um all is well I, I just got back from rally day up in carson city here in nevada so shout out to the chamber of cannabis and for amendment and the chamber walking the halls um in carson city trying to make a difference here um one of the initiatives in our bill is to allow felons to work in the industry um or at least to allow the the employer to decide that take that out-of-state statute. And, and allow it to be on the employer's, the employer's decision of who they would like to hire. Um, and then we also wanna double the daily purchase limit. Um, that, that's for patients and adult use consumers, it benefits both because like right now the the, the purchase limit is one ounce and um, like three grams of concentrate. Um, so I think it might even be two and a half. So um, so we're, we're trying to make sure that people don't have to come back um, so often to the dispensaries. Um, But anyway, uh, it was fun, and um, I appreciate the work that has to be done on the ground to make history or her story here in Nevada. um, And that's what we're doing. Uh, But to my story today, I'm going to give you a quick update on what's happening um, in the world. Um, It's great. My article comes out of Benzinga, um, and it kind of updates you on a few countries. Uh, In South Africa, uh, they're going to introduce new cannabis laws. The measure is a proposed amendment to the cannabis for private purposes bill. Um, Interested stakeholders have been invited to write submissions by Friday, April 28th. If passed, the legislation will allow for the cultivation of a prescribed quantity of cannabis plants, the possession of a certain amount of cannabis and the consumption of cannabis. It also seeks to provide for the expungement of criminal records of persons convicted of possessing or using cannabis or dealing in cannabis based on a presumption and for commercial activities related to cannabis. Current laws allow both the use and cultivation of cannabis in private spaces. However, it's not entirely clear what is considered under the term private place. The latest push to legalize cannabis stems from a high court ruling in 2017. In the Bahamas, um, they are inching towards legalization of medical cannabis now more than ever with Attorney General Right. revealing that a draft bill that seeks to set up a medical cannabis industry nationwide is expected to be released for consultation in roughly a month. Um, uh, he says that the attorney general says, I can let you know that all the pieces of legislation have been drafted along with regulations and the respective quarters. Um, the legislation encompasses a number of amendments in a number of areas, such as the Pharmacy Act, have to be amended because you deal with dispensary items and all of that. <laughs> so, we, so we made all those amendments in draft form. Well, I'm glad that um, they're actually putting it in pharmacies. I know that that is the route that St. Vincent and the Grenadines went and, um, um, and a couple of other countries in the Caribbean, uh, that everything was going through their pharmacies. So descheduling it and decriminalizing had to come first in order for it to put it through that government system. Uh, in the Czech Republic, they are also inching towards legalizing cannabis. Uh, the plan will take effect in 2025 includes the the introduction of regulated cannabis market and strategies for managing other addictions including alcohol tobacco drugs and gambling Um, in malta new cannabis rules open door for greenhouses and chain store clubs Uh, malta's regulations for the sale of recreational cannabis could make way for large groups vying to control the market surprise surprise potentially leading to the emergence of cannabis retailer chains uh, in Costa Rica, the cannabis and hemp industry is um, looking to be legalizing medicinal marijuana, but well, when they did it over a year ago, I'm sorry, um, but under the new law, hemp cultivation and industrial production were also legalized. Now experts are advocating for the country to take further steps towards joining the world market um, to that end. International hemp and cannabis markets challenges and opportunities for Costa Rica will be held on May 2nd. They're going to be having a Um, uh, some type of town hall, it looks like. Participants will gain insight into the production treatment and export of plants and derived products. Um, So that is interesting. These countries are moving forward. Um, I like to hear it, I like to see it. Uh, Shout out to uh, the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference happening right now in Miami. Uh, Roz was on a stage this morning talking about how hard it is for women and uh, to get that capital that's floating around, so. Um shout out to the family down there if you're in Florida this week. Um make sure you stop by Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference. This is Nicole reporting for High nine News. <laughs> Love to hear what uh everyone thinks about this rundown of what's happening.
1: How much of reform is um is classified as quote unquote wokeness, Jason?
0: Well, I actually what I what some of the things that, that Nicole said kind of um kind of worry me. Are they trying to create some like global organization cannabis around the globe and all of the uh, underserved communities from what I say that again, Jason, you made it sound like they're trying to create like some like global council to regulate cannabis from Jamaica to all the other islands to all these other places that aren't as economically astute.
2: Well, that, right
0: no now
2: the, well, right now in the Caribbean, there is a body that was formed uh, about five years ago to Does
0: help. Is behind that?
2: No. I hear
0: he's hiding out uh, out there.
2: Uh, okay. <laughs> well, well what, I, what I'm sure of is that um, this regulatory body was put in place five years ago to help them decide on whether or not to legalize and that's when you kind of it, it was after Jamaica legalized um, which actually Jamaica did not legalize they schedule I mean decriminalized but um, it was after that, that this this body was formed and and it's from leaders from all over the Caribbean that were put together to go over the research. And from that report, they came back, it's the CARICOM report uh, or body that came together and and put the research on on the ground and said, look, this is a plant, it's medicine. Um, We obviously have a viable industry here in the Caribbean. And if we don't get in on this industry now, then we're gonna lose out significantly. And that's why you've seen Um, islands in the Caribbean coming on board. It's based on that CARICOM report that came out in 2016 or 17, I think it was, Um, maybe even 18. Uh, So yeah, so there there are certain, but but they're not a regulatory body. Like each island, each country has their own regulatory body. Nobody is trying to have a global regulatory body. Well, at least not yet.
1: Interesting. Are Are you against global standards, Jason?
0: Um, I'm against global organizations in that sense trying to impose X, Y, and Z. Yes, I am.
2: Okay, but what about a Rastafarian coalition? They would be global.
0: As long as they're not, uh, as not, as long as they're not being uh, fed their talking points from people uh, that we, you know, un- undesirables. Let's just say. I mean, in global my global global in my theory. in my dream
2: world, <laughs> undesirables globally. Yeah. In my dream world, the Rastafarians globally would be in charge of cannabis. Yes, um, yeah that, I, that's I'm, in my in I'm, my in my dream world. But I know that they speak too much truth. They speak too much truth, and they they um, they they don't follow Babylon law. So they would never let them be in in control. But it would be ideal to have them regulating uh, on a global scale how cannabis is is grown and cultivated and harvested and, and having just their influence and input on on how to take care of the plant would be amazing. Oh, well,
0: Wouldn't they have to be growing fire ass weed in order to be able
2: to determine how people are growing weed? Well, wherever you are growing your weed, it's going to be fire if you're using the right genetics that come from there That's and the true. sun and soil that comes That's from there. True.
0: All sun Okay. Booth.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. Well, this that same booth could also cure cancer. It might not make you high. But it could also actually cure a disease, so let's just consider that.
0: I'm I'm all with considerations. I'm just not with mandates or woman well. dates or whatever <laughs> else type of pronoun they want to put in front of it.
1: Oh my god, this is not a direction that I, I don't I know that we want to go into right now. But um, I'm all for it. Bring it. In. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some more of that. <laughs> Give yeah, we'll me some more of that. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. <laughs> Let's go.
3: How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out.
0: Oh, yeah. Coming up next, it's the the designer of facilities. He's also a formulations specialist that reminds women in menopause how to say hello. Again. That's right. It is the man, Mr. Saman Rizzani.
3: Hello, 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 community, family. Thanks a lot for, uh, for having me again today. I appreciate you guys. Great to see everyone's face. Um, I've got a great story today out of Oklahoma, everyone's favorite cannabis producing state. Well, no surprise here. This has to do with trapping weed out of an Amazon truck in Oklahoma. Story comes from um, a news outlet in Oklahoma, and I will tell you the name. It's K-O-C-O, and this story is very interesting. A years-long federal investigation has led to a huge black market marijuana bust in Oklahoma City. The suspect was accused of using a fake Amazon delivery truck to traffic thousands of pounds of marijuana around the metro. The federal court documents detailed exactly how the suspect was able to slip under the radar for so long. The Federal Bureau of Investigations and the, Bureau, uh, the Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics said the suspect, Brandon Yi used to transport black market marijuana from an Amazon delivery van. According to court documents, the FBI has been investigating the illegal drug operation since November of 2021. The FBI said Yi would use his business, arch granite and cabinetry as a warehouse and pickup location for loads of drugs. In the court documents, it says Yee drives the Amazon van to visit Oklahoma-based marijuana grows where large black trash bags containing vacuum-sealed packages of marijuana are loaded up and transported to initial stash houses controlled by Yi, The marijuana would then be repackaged and transported to Yi's warehouse in OKC. At these locations, the documents say, at the warehouses appears that a, that a semi-truck is loaded about once a week with marijuana for transport out of state. Law enforcement pulled over one of those trucks back in February. Inside, approximately 2,700 pounds of packaged marijuana and um, an amount of marijuana is, is well in excess of 1,000 kilograms was found during a traffic stop on a semi truck in Indiana. Right now, the suspect is charged with drug conspiracy in federal court. This is Simon Razani reporting to, uh, to High Nine News. And I would love to, you know, I'm, I'm sure everyone's shocked. To hear this, but you know, what are your thoughts? I mean, semi trucks once a week for since 2021. Wow.
0: Well, no, wow. that's that's when the investigation started, so it was going that, on before that.
3: Well, yeah, but I mean, exactly. So let's just count when the invest since when the investigation was. I mean, that's it's a lot of weed. That's a lot and of. They were driving
0: around, they were driving around. They had an Amazon work truck that they would drive around and do deliveries in. That was just the
3: local stuff. That yeah. was just the local. Then they got they got the JB Hunts going across, you know, with the, with the chicken feed is it, is call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's,
0: it is a good, good tech for moving boxes, I guess. You
3: know, well, it's I, it's I mean, fun. I guess, I guess it's a, uh, you know, he's living the American dream. What can I say? Any thoughts from the rest of our crew? Any thoughts? How much money, how much, how much money do you think this guy oh, was transporting yes. monthly?
2: I mean, it's not like it's Humboldt County's finest coming out of Oklahoma. I mean, you know, I've weed Oklahoma
3: you'd be surprised, it. Nicole. you'd be surprised. Some of the weed actually was like interestingly like it it, it was like pretty it, it pretty much mimicked that, but there's definitely like places in Oklahoma. You can't be it's not just all over, you know
2: right. okay, so i I visited oh I have visited Oklahoma a couple of times and I love Oklahoma. I uh, I just was not you know impressed with what I was exposed to there, so I guess that's just me. I was but I was
3: in it. I, I was wish, in the thick of it.
2: <laughs> I wish I could have I wish I could have explored more and tried more for sure because I'm I would love to here. have some really good Oklahoma smoke, Oklahoma smoke,
3: Oklahoma. That's right, mm-hmm. smoke, Oklahoma.
0: I mean, Gretchen, what God do you David,
4: think? It? I'm always on mute. Uh, m- my question is for Saman. Uh, did it say if this was leaving Oklahoma? Was this going other it
3: places? Said it said yes. It yeah, did say that. Paid. It said transportation out of state. In but it
4: didn't say where.
3: Well, hold on, hold on. I'm, yeah, Indiana was where the semi truck was caught. You just don't know where it was going. Could have been going to New York or wherever. Could've been going to Indiana. Could have been going to Indiana.
1: Mike Pence put in a big order. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I him mean, and Boehner, I, him and Boehner were splitting it. So, so, <laughs> so the article
0: the article referenced the article referenced that, that they would do their local deliveries with the Amazon truck and then they had then they had a, a big freight liner that, that they would load up once a week that would mm-hmm. do deliveries who knows else elsewhere. But they would have one freight truck once a week that would pull up in, in the art according to the article. Yeah. Gretchen, what do you think? You I think it's kind of ingenious, you know.
3: I'm with Simone, you, dog.
4: <laughs> I don't know what someone asked me. What would you say?
3: Oh, I was saying you, you you, got the truckers, you know, so like talk to me about what these guys are thinking, like doing, you know, like taking the taking the risk potentially to do this. I mean, to be honest, it's like, uh, you know, it's a very interesting time right now because some of these states are trying to adapt and adopt um, and promulgate some new laws allowing for interstate Commerce with certain other states, so the trucks are probably going to be one of the you know most utilized forms of transportation for all that. So, what are you? Are you hearing any chatter from the truckers, Gretchen?
4: Bless your hearts. When chatter. chatter. <laughs> there is no chatter in <laughs> on Washington
3: the CB on the CB radio. It comes to Kansas, breaker breaker. No. That's not true. They yes. talk in code. They use the
0: numbers four twenty and seven ten all the time.
3: And they say okay. the bear and the plain white wrappers.
0: Yeah, we gotta, this ain't we gotta... this
4: ain't smoking the bandit. I don't know what y'all are talking about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was this one, this guy wasn't a real trucker, correct? He just was driving around. I truck. mean, I, the um, trucker
3: was obviously had a CDL license to. And truck this ain't a truck. real
4: truck. This is like this a guy little wasn't baby a, truck. How do you know they had
3: a real CDL?
0: You don't know that. <laughs> of course they did, bro.
4: What makes wait, you, think what, you think that? you think they're not going to break the law there? Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. Whoa, whoa,
3: whoa. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. Time, time, over, time, over, time, time out, time out, You got to show that think, CDL hold on, hold on. Do you think, Gretchen, do you think that this guy, Brandon, he was the guy driving the trucks? No. He was the guy that was, like, masterminding this whole thing. He had drivers, truck drivers, coming in and out of there. You think it was, right, like, one driver or not? Right, but I'm asking you, do you think they're licensed license
4: truckers? I think so. Why?
3: I mean, because, I mean, they're, like, they, I don't if they, if they were, okay, at one point they were. They have a truck, right? So it's like if you have a rig, I, I don't know about the rules about owning truck. I could buy a rig down the street
4: for 500 bucks. What exactly. are you talking about? That would make I'm you a, a trucker.
3: You. <laughs> this looks like a used U-Haul. What
4: are you talking about? This
3: A used U-Haul, it's a van. It's like a I, Amazon I delivery what... van.
4: No, I'm looking There's two at the truck in the picture. Gretchen,
3: you're convoluting the two things. I'm think. looking at you're the like, truck. There's the a local truck. and an out-of-state. <laughs> and
4: I'm looking at what I'm assuming is the out-of-state <laughs> one because it is a larger box truck.
3: No, that's, a, that's, a local. No, that's not, the local. No, yeah,
0: that's the local. That's not
4: an Amazon van. Uh,
0: yeah, they that's were like driving the, an Amazon yeah. van locally, Samon. Don't get it twisted. They were driving an Amazon no, but van but that around thing's...
4: The, that that well,
0: box truck... is not an Amazon van. It probably is the truck that they're referencing.
1: Yeah, yeah, well... Game or it's 100. were and the now abandoned. I don't know. When the Republicans I, I think uh, take this it, it's it.
4: gone a ridiculous turn. Where's Todd with uh, a real story? Let's, let's keep it going. Let's keep that, it. Let's keep it. Let's keep this. Smooth voice.
1: <laughs> yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Up next, he's a dope granddaddy, or shall we call him granddaddy dope? Hmm. Come to the stage next with the golden voice and the co-founder of the Smuggleverse, 30-year media producer, director, editor, and did 13 years as a C-suite cannabis executive. Y'all know who it is, the president and founder of DigiPath Labs, Todd Dankin.
6: Thank you. Thank you, Rico. Thank you, everybody. And my story comes out of Nevada from the marijuana moment as Nevada lawmakers reconsider Marijuana tax rules that growers say threaten to put them out of business. Nevada's marijuana growers say they are being overtaxed. Big surprise. And on the brink of going out of business thanks to a tax formula that relies on the state's calculation of fair market value of a pound of cannabis rather than its actual wholesale price. Competing proposals to tweak the calculation would each cost the state millions of dollars a year in tax revenue designated in part for education put simply growers are selling a pound for thousand dollars and paying taxes as if they sold it for two thousand dollars said uh, assemblywoman shay Backus, as she testified on tuesday the department of taxation publishes the fair market value of cannabis uh, twice a year based on data that may be three months old at the time it's released cannabis prices have plummeted rapidly in recent years leaving the state to rely on stale data. The fair market value is currently $1,944 for a pound of cannabis flower. The actual wholesale price is half of that, according to testimony from John Ackle of Zenway Corporation, a cultivation facility in North Las Vegas. However, the fair market value price has not dropped a similar amount, As a result, our effective tax rate has averaged between 25 and 30 percent, Ackle testified. On some individual sales, the tax has been as high as 60 percent. With effective tax rates as high as this, it is not possible to meet all of our other obligations, he added. Ackle says Zenway is behind on its taxes and has a payment plan with the state. He says basing the wholesale cannabis tax on actual sales rather than an amount set by the state, would give cultivators an effective tax rate of 15%. Salpi Boyajin, a former licensee of Flower One, a cultivation company that recently underwent bankruptcy proceedings in Canada, told the committee that the company has paid approximately $30 million in wholesale marijuana tax since 2019. She said that represented 24% of our revenue. If the intent was to truly charge us 15% of our wholesale sales, that would have equated to about $18 million of taxes collected, meaning we technically overpaid by over $11 million. This amount would have been able to potentially save the company and prevent all of these people, including myself, from losing a very large amount of money. Nevada's legal marijuana industry was expected to generate an endless stream of profit for the individuals granted highly coveted licenses by the state. The reality in recent years, with the exception of a COVID-era boom, has been sobering for the fledging industry. In 2021, sales totaled more than a billion dollars, but fell 16% last year and are down 19.5% in 2023. Lake Martin, executive director of the Nevada Cannabis Association, said, Our largest competition, being the unlicensed illicit market, which doesn't have tax obligations, doesn't have the cost of compliance, doesn't have the cost of testing. They can sell for much, much cheaper, she testified yesterday. A presentation from the NCA noted the cost of regulation, including excessive fines, fees, and what they call time and effort charges, has skyrocketed in recent years. The state's time and effort billings to licensees uh, totaled $388,000 in 2019, $1.7 million in 2022 and are projected to reach $2.54 million for 2023 based on the data from the state. Given the illegal federal status of cannabis, licensees lack the ability to employ standard business strategies such as writing off expenses, yet they are on the hook for federal payroll and income taxes. Assembly Bill 430 is intended to reduce the burden on cultivators by setting a flat 15% tax on wholesale transactions between unaffiliated companies, while transfers within vertically integrated operations would be taxed in accordance with the state-issued fair market value, a proposal that gives growers no relief on sales to affiliated companies. The measure would also require the state to publish a new fair market value data quarterly rather than twice a year. The proposal is based on the formula used in Colorado and has the support of the NCA. The simplest way to go forward, as every state has done except Colorado, is eliminate the wholesale tax, suggested Will Adler, who is a lobbyist representing the Sierra Cannabis Coalition, which is seeking to eliminate the wholesale tax and increase the current retail tax on recreational sales from 10 percent to 15 percent to capture some of the lost revenue. Washington eliminated its wholesale taxes and now charges consumers a 37 percent retail tax on products. The proposal met with opposition from the NCA, and uh, Brandon Weigand, who is the president of the NCA and chief operating officer at Thrive Cannabis Marketplace, said high taxes are already the number one complaint they get from consumers. Adler argues that customers are already paying a higher price. That includes the the cost of the wholesale tax. Some lawmakers raise concerns about the loss of revenue to the state under both proposals, Cannabis sales contributed to $147 million to education in 2022. The uh, 10% retail tax imposed on recreational sales generated $89 million in 2022. Revenue is distributed directly to education funding. The 15% wholesale tax on uh, from cultivation facilities to other licensees generated $63 million in 2022, Revenue goes to the operating budget of the Cannabis Control Board and to local governments throughout the state to offset the effects of the legal industry. The state sales tax of roughly 8% imposed on cannabis sales generated $77 million in 2022. Taxing arm's length transactions as a flat 15% rather than based on the state's fair market value would cut the revenue by $19 million in fiscal year 23 followed by an annual increases of several million dollars a year, according to estimates provided by the Sierra Cannabis Coalition. The proposal to eliminate wholesale taxes and increase the retail tax would result in a loss of $15 million in fiscal year 23, also followed by annual increases of several million dollars a year. Department of Taxation officials testified eliminating the wholesale tax would reduce the department's workload considerably. And... The committee took no action on the measure. Shocking. I'm Todd Dangan with High at Night News. What do you guys think about this overtaxed and overregulated product?
2: Oh, my goodness. Okay, so right now in the state of Nevada, um, you're paying about 18% for your cannabis products in taxes if you are an adult-use consumer. Uh, and that means that this wholesale tax, changing it from 10 to 15%, would increase it to twenty two, is that right? Twenty three, something yep. like that. Um, that they would be paying in taxes on on products here in Nevada. Um, I you know I, I just see it following in the same footsteps as California, and eventually the industry will implode on itself with the overregulation and overtaxing, um, and and uh, allow the um, the legacy market to thrive because of it, and so I don't know. More taxes is not a solution. No. Um, That's it right. Is, it is not, now not, not right. when you're dealing with this this product. It just it doesn't make sense. Sure. Not when not when the when the legacy market is thriving. I mean, and they keep saying that the, that the, that the taxes is supposed to. Deter, deter people and, and try to eliminate the, right. the, the illicit market. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It just drives more people to it because why would you pay for it's $10 for the same amount of stuff that you could buy for five? It doesn't make mm-hmm. sense.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll tax you and you'll like it. That's what yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a
6: little but out of control. And that. the time and effort fees are also out of control. You know, the yeah, uh, CCB here in Nevada charges time and effort. So they charge $111 per hour per person to do anything for a licensed uh, operator. That's so that's if they have in to visit you, silly. if they have to send an email, if they have to answer a phone call, if you, they do an audit, it costs uh, uh, $111 per hour. Our audit cost us over $68,000 this year Unbelievable to be audited by the state. $68,000 uh, we had to and come up did with. you ask
0: to be audited? No, I did not ask to be audited. <laughs> Who would, would
2: ask to be, be audited?
0: I, I would make sense. the state for sending me that bill. That it's, is it, listen, it's really they're, unbelievable. They're, I tell them the it's problem, your job to pay pay your own employees. State
3: they're not my employees.
2: Right. And, no, and, my taxes
3: pay for them anyway. What are you talking about? We already but, pay but for they, their. We already pay for them. <laughs>
2: what, what is interesting in Nevada, though, for this legislative session, is that there are several bills coming in from legislators that are trying to limit the reach of the CCB because their reach has been so ridiculous in the last five years. So there is an effort coming from legislators saying, "Look, the CCB is doing too much," and I don't know if that's from the push from you know, our new governor, um, because he, he's a former cop, and, and I don't know, maybe, and he's a Republican. So maybe he sees this, you know, overregulation is reaching, um, and he wants to put a, a, a pause in what they do. But from the moment he got into office in January, he actually put a pause on the CCB at what they could do, why he evaluated their actual jobs and purpose and what they're doing. Um, because the fines that the CCB are putting out are putting people out of business.
6: They're definitely doing that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Same things going on over here. oh taxes, mo away. trapping. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, I'm surprised how cheap your guys's tax rate is in Nevada. I know. Uh, yeah. Eighteen yeah, kind of percent. Yeah. yeah. Over here, it's like forty percent by the time you add them all up right yeah we're in the face five or
3: 37 yeah colorado too i mean it's it's a it's a straight robbery and that's why i still buy my weed in a plastic bag and not in a dispensary and i mean that's just the truth yeah
0: Yeah. and and on that note we want to thank you all for getting high at nine with us every monday through friday at 9 a.m pacific and high noon on the east coast Big thank you to our audience and supporters for tuning in daily and listening to the insanity that is the developing cannabis industry. Thank you to all of our haters out there for always talking and thinking about us because we have the most immaculate pieces of property rent-free inside of your head. Thank you to all of our sponsors, Mr. Omar Figueroa. That is right. And uh, whoever else's ad we ran today, also, thank you guys, too. We appreciate y'all very much. Thank you to Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, Zaza Simone Brown, holding us down in Clubhouse. And thank you all for tuning in daily and getting high at 9 with us. It's America's number one daily cannabis news show.
3: Peace out, people.